mostly what we um, are uh, involved with or dealing with is called mental content, also physical, of course, but it's really the feelings, the moods, the emotions, the thoughts, the memories, the perceptions, the hopes, imaginations, the boredom, the frustrations, all this kind of credible, um, you know, mixture of stuff going on, you know. So this naturally has got a kind of hypnotic effect in it, to it. So it's got a... And around that, um, we we get, we feel, get to feel stuck, we get to feel cramped, we get to feel dazed by it all. What's the point of all this? Uh, and in retreat time, sometimes it just gets kind of boring because... Uh, not really much of the old uh, fun and games happening <laughs> put it mildly <laughs> so what am I doing all this for anyway <laughs> you know it's not coming up with the the stuff the good stuff but uh, actually the thing we've got to recognise and, and attune to is that, that most of a practice is not really about content anyway. It's not about adding more content or even really getting that much into it. It's about it's about how we handle content. It's about structure, if you like. You know, structure sounds so rigid, but about a container, about handling content. It's awareness of, you know, awareness of some breathing, awareness of feeling, awareness of energies, awareness of sadness, awareness of happiness, hunger, and so forth. You know, it's just you know that's it's, it's close, but it's not, but it's a big step. You know, just that shift of can you be with this? Huh? What is it? What helps you to be with this? What does it take to be with this? Hmm? Is it worthwhile being with this? big question you know which poof that's your it's your question it's your answer I don't know <laughs> I find it's worthwhile being with it but it, it doesn't you know but sometimes it's pretty close call Because it's uh, you know when you you're not actually uh, following, then the, the kind of uh, what you're doing you're starting to check the the tide the tidal currents that keep pulling you into content, which is the sense of getting somewhere, you know, getting the good stuff going, uh, having a clear sense about the future, having kind of happy the happy juices just flowing. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, so that, that isn't that that's that that current, isn't it? That that current becoming, you know, accumulating. Mm. Sense sense just sensory pleasures, then um, happy states of mind, positive visions, clear th- you know these kind of things where you really feel you're becoming more rich or full 
and uh, you know, and then when that's not happening, oof, oof, where's this going? Down the pits, you know, bleak desert. That feeling can happen. Where's this going? It's not going up. It must be going down. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, you can recognize there's another direction actually that's kind of off the map. It's not up or down, it's called uh, opening. Mm. It's called getting bigger, getting wider, if you like. It's not really going forward, going progressing, nor is it degenerating. It's just widening and widening and widening and widening until you find a sense of like the tightrope walker with the the very long pole, that sense of width gives you this feeling of like a, like a balance. The balance is, you could say it's a kind of content, but it's not a specific thing. It's an overall sense of poise and collectedness, uh, you know, just presence. You think, this is funny, but I feel okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not like wow, wrapped. You know, it's not fantastic. It's just I feel like I'm really sane. You know, I feel sane. I'm not getting off on something. I'm not, you know, chasing something. I'm not to- adding something up and accumulating things. I just feel really kind of sane and clear and free. Mm. That's the direction. You see. So you're really finding, in a way, that openness, that opening, is a sense in which the holding of your stuff gets more skillful and bigger, you know. So sometimes, first we, you know, we may hold our stuff in a kind of clutching way, you know, just just shift, grapple, push things away, grab hold of this, do the best you can, hang on, you know. And then it gets bigger and bigger. It's like the the hands get wider and bigger. So you you have a much bigger span of holding capacity. And it's not a holding that's uh, any tension in it. It's like the awareness holds it itself. There's no real, no reason for it. We're not waiting for something else to happen. (laughs) A sense of... This is kind of what we need, you know. It's one of the bits that may be again out of the out of the language. What do you think you need? Mm. What do people need in general? What do people look for in general? You know, something to fill themselves up with. You know, something to belong to, isn't it? You know, what is one of the the amazing despairs of 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 our age of this time when actually there's plenty many things to fill up with you know like tv videos download 600 channels of this that and the other so much stuff going on you you know you haven't got time you haven't got enough room to f- to fill up and yet you can still feel kind of strangely empty and well what's the point you know because what do we belong to In other words, what's what's the, you know, when I say what do you belong to? It's what what holds you. Why we want relationships? Why we want family? Why we want to be with friends? Why we want to have 
some sense of we're with something that's with us. Yeah. This is very deep, very strong. So much so that uh, most of us will choose kind of rather ramshackle relationships, rather, you know, scratchy things to belong to, rather than nothing. Football football team, you know, football fans. Uh, Night down the pub, out fishing. You know, things you know really. But it's something. Something is your sense of something that's with you and you're with it. A very uh, strong need. So, of course, it, you know, in bygone times, in you, for better or worse, you belong to, you know, the church or the grand world order or the empire or God. Look, God was there, he may not have liked you very much, but. <laughs> 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 and all those things are gone, haven't they? You know, this, this sense of now, I mean, the street I lived in in London. You know, maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 houses on that street. Perhaps I knew the people in two of those houses. You know, it wasn't wasn't a little kind of close-knit community. It was just people living in little boxes, looking out of windows while I sat in my box looking out of my window. <laughs> and you might nod to one or two as you go down the street. It wasn't like that. Because, of course, everybody had jobs elsewhere. You see, in a village, you more a kind of a, nuclear community everybody's working on the land together so you get these communities like that big cities are not like that are they nowadays villages aren't like that because where I live you know in the the villages where I live look very cute but quaint but this fellow is a stockbroker who works in Guildford you know this person is a millionaire who lives in the other side of the world and just comes every holiday so houses nobody living in them (laughs) You know, there are houses, but there's no no real village sense. So these are things that, have got, that we we leave, and you you know you get that. You go to um, other other countries where, like Thailand, for example, you go there. The village sense is very strong. You belong to a village. You belong to a family. You belong to a place. You belong to a land. You belong to a something that's very clear. So it maybe not be all you know, pure and wholesome and serene, delightful, there's all kinds of nastiness and niggardliness going on like everywhere else. But something just in that sense of, you know, something that you're with provides a tremendous sense of rootedness and groundedness. And then you know where you are, you know where you, you, know where you are. Imagine the time of the Buddha where you've got a, you belong to a caste and a clan, and you've got a place in the cosmos. I mean, the Buddha's main thing was to try and get out of it all because it was so tightly woven, <laughs> you know, to drop out of it. But because the web was so dense. But nowadays, you know, there ain't, there's no web. <laughs> it's not much. You know, the only web is the thing that comes up when your internet thing, <laughs> www, worldwide stuff. But, uh, and then what, you know, even with that, you see people with their blogs and stuff just to get some sense of connection. People kind of get some virtual connection. You listen to somebody rambling on about something, you know, just to feel connected to. So what's that? Something that you're with. 
So it, it gives, you a, gives you a reference to yourself. You can see yourself as one of these or uh, somebody to talk to or something. You, you know, you, you have a relationship experience. And the mind, one level, is, is fundamentally relational. It needs to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we seek relationship, and we seek it, and we don't always find relationships that really hold us very well, you know. Yeah. So, and in uh, Buddha Dharma, the sense again is that these these needs can be met in a more complete way. But it is does take practice. Yeah. To be with yourself, be aware with of yourself, be have the kind of holding of the heart, holding of the mind that makes you feel uh gives you reference, makes you feel connected, makes you feel grounded. It's important to get that because this is is what's going to be the most, um, in my opinion, the most useful um, you know, um, thing to 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 really um, stay with. You know, to build up that sense of of uh, really being held by the Dhamma. The Dhamma upholds those who who hold it. You know, actually, if you go to it fully it it holds you you know it's that's the phrase that we we chant in the evenings so it's a very it's right there it's a very meaningful thing this isn't just a set of beliefs or ideas it's a it's a real felt sense experience And what I'm calling structures or the, you know, holders us are, or lists of them. You have the seven factors of enlightenment. These uh, represent the fullest, or fullest presentation of the richness of, of, of fully endowed awareness. It's mindfulness, investigation, um, persistence, sense of stamina, if you like, bearing with, staying with, um, Rapture, the uplifted state, the sense of buoyancy, ease or tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. You know, these are kind of, you can see all these various lists um, of, you know, what it would be lovely to be with. (laughs) And so naturally you think, oh, you're going to kind of get it as some thing to you know we want to have that as something we have but it, it these things develop and they, they don't develop through grasping although it's understandable you know we want to have them as content but actually they that they are what begin to to form through you know through the through the practice so you have something like mindfulness, which is definitely something you can do. You can you can place your attention. 
bear something in mind, stay with it. And you have, uh, um, you know, some supports for that. So naturally the mind, in the way it operates, it's, it's a, mindfulness is considered to be a, a continual, one of, the, one of the continual features of the mind, believe it or not. <laughs> but it's, it's first something that's continually there. But it is often quite weak. That is your, your ability to bear something in mind. If you couldn't bear anything in mind, you'd be a complete gibbering idiot. Um, you know, nothing would make sense. Be able to sustain attention on things long enough to get what it's about. You know, and you can stay. W- that's mindfulness. You place your attention on that, and then you can. Oh, that's that. That's that. You 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 know, you bear something in mind long enough to at least know it, feel it, sense it, receive it. You know. You know, and then maybe respond to it. And uh, the process of lengthening that span, lengthening that span of mindfulness is called samatha, steadying, calming. It means you, you actually are able to sustain your attention on an object much longer. And you do that because you, you kind of slow down this sense of um, your attention, so it's not flickering, you, tr- you sort of encourage it to keep referring to a something like breathing in and out. This is basic meditation, isn't it? Or your body, or something you feel you can do. You keep being with that till your attention span starts to really uh, stretch and become longer and longer through practice. And that's encouraged through the process of the feedback you get from being with some something that's actually agreeable like like um, something that's calming it has this quality of steadiness repeatedness that's why you know breathing is a very useful object for mindfulness because if you didn't get this one don't worry because there'll be another one on long in a moment just like the just like you used to say about the number 27 bus <laughs> so you know there it is and it's pretty much like uh one of the things about it is is kind of repeated quality. Actually, they're not all the same, but they seem pretty much the same. Like you've seen three breaths, you've seen them all. But um, you know, it's that sense of it, it becomes. You know where it is. You can go to it. You know how it how it basically how it works. So you've got that continual sign, and you, you sustain it. So it's got a sort of steady, calming, repeated quality to it, and it's easeful. And it's easeful in a bodily way as well so it actually soothes your nervous system down soothes it refreshes it brightens it this is a very good object and then that that means that by itself your attention will tend to linger and stay yeah and uh, for this you need that sense of really inquiring into well how do you make this um you want something, something you, you, you find yourself agreeable, uh, being enjoying, appreciating. Yeah. So there's this um, sutta where the Buddha talk gives the example of the cook. You maybe you've heard this teaching already. The Buddha example of the cook who's serving the king. You see, so he comes along. He's always, I don't know what the king wants. So he boils up some curry, some dal, some potatoes, a few carrots, whatever he was brings it along, puts it down in front of the king, and then sit, steps back a few paces just to see what the king does. And the king looks at it, and he kind of picks away at his cauliflower, mm, I don't like that. <laughs> and he, the bit he really likes, you know, the bit he really enjoys, so he eats all that. So the cook looks, okay, 
well, tomorrow I'll give him a lot of that and I'll try this. He just keeps giving him things to find out what the king really enjoys. So that by the end of the week, he's got the, the king's favorite food. He's figured out. And uh, then the, whenever he puts his meal down, the king's, oh, lovely, great. And he gives the guy a raise. You know, <laughs> great cook. And the Buddha used this example for how you select an object for mindfulness. You put something in your mind, it goes, oh, no, no, get out. I don't want that. So, okay, <laughs> what about this then? <laughs> and you give it something, you keep putting things to that it will actually find, oh, yeah, it's okay. I could quite, you know, I could be with that. I could be with that. And so there's a sense of some skill there, just looking at the feedback you get. Uh, you know. And for purpose of mindfulness, you know, to, to something you want to bear in mind, actually a lot of things that are very, uh, seem quite enjoyable, actually you wouldn't want to be with them for a long time. <laughs> you know, very pungent things or very uh, exciting things because they just, you know, it's it's a quick hit's okay, but you wouldn't be within that state all the time. It's just too much. So, to, so as you lengthen your attention, you also find what is it that you... That you want to be, that you feel you can be with and appreciate over a long time. You generally look for subtler things, subtler things that give you subtler, warmer, more contented feelings. Yeah, because that's it's not so exciting, but you don't really want the exciting for mindfulness. You know, because it's not something exciting. These are too stimulating. You get burns you out. So something that's fairly steady and calm. Easy and this, um, you know, it's got this nice bodily effect. You start to feel healthy and bright. Mm-hmm. So you, s- so you extending, you know, the sense of extending your your your, your attention span. Uh, but it's um, finding which aspects even of breathing you feel yourself drawn to. It's that nice sense of letting go when you breathe out. You know. Or a particular place in your body that it feels uh, most comfortable, or whatever. Yeah. Or it can just be sitting here, feeling your body, feeling the warmth of the room, which is very nice after coming out of that sleep. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be breathing; it can be embodied. You know, there are many, many meditation objects. I mean, looking at things. Sometimes appreciating space, light, Buddhas, things of this nature that you want to be with. Or qualities of loving kindness. There's a sense of appreciation and tender heartedness. And recollecting people who give you that feeling of, of gratitude and appreciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can something that encourages you to lengthen the span. And there's, there's always a sense of investigation goes along with it to help you to to look into what uh, works best, where where you feel most settled, where the hindrances don't arise, and so on. So this is the samatha process enables you to, to settle and then you can widen into that, lengthening your attention, widening your attention span.
It's one-pointed in the sense that you have one aim in mind, just to be present with. It's, that's the one point. And because of that, uh, this one-pointedness of attitude and the steadiness of attention, mm. when you find balance, if you like, um, a centrality, a kind of centeredness starts to occur. And the mind feels centered in its own awareness, its own brightness, its own steadiness. Mm. And then you can actually investigate that that sense. So, if you like, the very holding of uh, what's happening itself provides a kind of a, a content, you know, which is peace, stability. Not a specific defined object, but an overall tone. Not a thought, not a kind of buzzy feeling, but just an overall tone of being at peace, being satisfied. This is this is what we are aiming for. You know? It's slightly different from just uh, the ordinary ways we feel happy because of a something. This isn't really because of something. This is because of the relationship of being with. Of course, the difficulties arise when uh, what seems to be coming up for us isn't um, the chosen meditation object, but the old vipaka, that's the old inheritance, the legacies, which could be more most immediate things, things that happened today, things that happened yesterday, things that have been happening this year, could be very long-term things, could be kind of, you know, a whole uh, social conditioning, childhood conditioning, whatever, you know, what's coming up. You begin to see these patterns, conditioned programs, the way that one's personal forms of of anxiety or inadequacy or self-blaming or whatever, you know, goes on. And uh, we don't want this content at all. We don't want this stuff at all. But then you have uh, a relationship which is one of either denial or defense or uh, aversion. You know, so you set up this negative resonance. And the simple, um, you can check it out for yourself, but what I find in my contemplations and meditations is with these things, the simple rule is, the more firmly you don't want it, the bigger it gets. <laughs> <laughs> the more you don't want it, the bigger it gets. Because that little don't want it bit acquires all these other layers, <laughs> like a, some kind of negative black pearl. Actually, <laughs> all this kind of grit of, oh, not that again, I don't want to be with this, and, you know, agitation, fear, guilt, uh, you know, why why me, you know, and uh, all these are doomed, and so on. And uh, so until, you know, something is, you ain't got much choice, really. Yeah.
and then we can use um, those uh, skills we we build up to to how to be with, how to bear with. And it's really sometimes just a matter of of just that the turning point is the, is that acknowledgement, you know. Um, You know, okay, you don't want the that negative feeling or that anger or that nagging mind or that grief or whatever it is. Yeah, of course you don't want it. But you've done that, that not want it for quite a while. Um, why don't you just um, decide you m- to meet it? That's mm. that attitude. It's a turnaround. And what you need to meet these experiences, um, that certainly the ability to to um, have your own ground, that is your own bodily presence, your own sense of of, um, of confidence, your own sense of once you, once you say you meet something, you already have that kind of the confidence is there. And uh, just knowing how to how to negotiate, how you come to terms with. You're not trying to answer or fix anything, change anything, make it go away, but just to sense it, just to listen to it, just to sense it, without getting lost in the story. Now the process of investigation, uh, as we carry that out, particularly with our mental and emotional stuff is is r- really helpful in learning how to handle things because it actually reduces these stories down to very simple manageable poignant but simple you know, experiences so you get stories run through your head about how she did and he was and why is that and I don't see why and I always get that because of this and I don't really see why, you know, I can't do anything about it. You know, you get the whole story comes running through. You know, and it's just cascades. This is called proliferation. And it, it breaks up the unity of the mind. So the mind is often torn into three or four opposing factors or, you know, voices that challenge each other. Your mind goes one way and it goes another way and you think, but this and that, and this isn't right. And that's so in this kind of very conflicted state. You don't know what to do. And one comes up with all kinds of um, semi-answers that don't work. Because, in effect, we are not really dealing with the, the, the nub of the problem. We're dealing with the froth, the spin of it all, which is the storyline. Skills of the heart are to, to use investigation to, to, to simplify the story, to get to the real theme, you know. Mm investigation does what insight is about with Pasana holding things with insight means you start to see what was the cause what's the fundamental P under the mattress you know that's causing me the grief you know all these kind of mattresses of stories piled up on top of each other what's the what's the gritty bit under it so you take the start listen to the the um the, the voices just like it's somebody else 
And then you get, what do, what do you think this person is about? You know, who is this person? And uh, you get a feeling for the general, you know, what's the state? Agitated, frightened, angry, you know, maybe one or two of those fit. So you, the story has suddenly become only three words long. <laughs> Some of these stories can have really very poignant things like alone, abandoned, alone, left, lost, you know. Oh, that's difficult. But it's simple. It's very sim- We all have that story, that little piece. Yeah. That, that sense of, you know, desperate aloneness or desperateness. That bit. Mm. And this is the, the really, I guess, why there's so much story goes on is it's almost too difficult to name it. You know, it's so poignant. But uh, the truth of the matter is, without actually even coming into words, just touching to that sense, being with that, rather than proliferating around it, the mind, the heart starts to come up with a sense of of a, a resonant response. There's compassion, there's kindness, by itself. Mm. You know the story of um, Go to Me, the mustard seed story. You must know this one, you know? You know, the woman loses her baby, the only child is dead, goes to the Buddha and says, you know, could you bring my baby back to life? Terrible, going out of her mind with grief. And uh, so, he, he's, you know, he doesn't say, well, all conditions are impermanent, <laughs> which would be true in a way, but it's not really an empathic response. <laughs> so he says, "Okay, go to go around the village. You bring your mustard seed, and we'll see what we can do." <laughs> and she, oh, great, okay. He says, well, yeah, but get a mustard seed from the house within the village. No, nobody's died. So you know the story. She goes to the knock on the door. Master said, sure, sure, Master said, has anybody here died? Oh, yeah, my, well, my father died last month. Next house, you know, oh, please don't remind me of my grief. My son passed away two weeks ago. Oh, next house, you know, oh, yes, of course you can have it. Didn't we die here? Oh, dear, we're just getting over the loss of our grandmother, you know, and so forth. So, of course, everybody. And that sense, it just gets this thing where she just touches this quality of, of the grief of humanity you know and it's just coming at her time and time again and it actually doesn't make her worse you know <laughs> you know she's got her own stuff and by actually just resonating with the fact this is a shared thing you know, we all belong to this grief you know the st- weirdest thing is when you feel we all belong to grief something you just Okay, I can be with that. Because the sense of of empathy and belonging that we so seek, we seek for a very good reason, because it's that which can enable us to be with all of it. I don't know why. But that's what it's like, isn't it? Why we seek someone else when we're in trouble. 
when you want to talk to somebody else, why you just sit around and share your sorrows. It doesn't make it worse, does it? You, you know, it makes it better. Something in you widens from the little me trapped, my little, you know, solitary universe with a bleak, unfeeling void around it into, well, we're all here. <laughs> and that sense of empathy is so, uh, there's such potency in it that, uh, you know, we feel he- we feel healed by that. So you kind of take your story and you break it down to, this is the being misunderstood. You know, everybody's got that, haven't they? I've been misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wronged. <laughs> so, oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Everybody's been that kind of thing, you know. Everybody's been been uh, angry and had uh, th- these experiences. Yeah, I know what it's like. Too. What is yours like? Oh yeah, mine's like that too. Yeah, <laughs> really hot, isn't it? <laughs> so you know, you you kind of that that's 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 the magic of it, really. And it's funny how that the, the attempts we have to kind of somehow seal ourselves off from these rather tr- poignant and tr- tremulous experiences so that we feel okay, we feel safe, you know, we not have this happen to me, you know, actually make us in- un- incapable. You know how, how cocooned we can become in our lives? When you, d- you don't see the dead, you don't, you know, and it's, if people, you know, leave them alone or, Things like that. You're just opening up to it. The attempts we have to to try to seal ourselves off from the dark, the painful, the uh, heart shaking, so that we feel safe and comfortable and okay, it makes us weak. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, would you like more grief? Or no, 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 no. <laughs> I want it to be all okay. <laughs> I want to be safe, comfortable. That's what I want as a person, you know. But uh, I can't say I w- want these dark, negative experiences. But uh, when I ask the spirit, what do you want? It says, I want to be big enough to manage this. I don't want to be running scared. I don't want to be living in a little cocoon all my life. I don't want to be small. I like to be big enough to have the compassion and, the gr- and the, to be able to manage what life's about. That's what I want. And little me says, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Talk's pretty big, you know. <laughs> I'm the one who's going to suffer for it. <laughs> So it's that sense of actually, you know, owning up to 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 life, owning up to it. Finally, says, okay, you know, I've tried to, you know, make it go the way I want it to, and you know, I'm going to keep doing that as best I can. But also, I want to develop so that I can um, open and find that balance within this, what this is about, you know. 
get a look around what it's what's it about what's samsara about you know happy sad up down birth death you know, arrival departure gain loss praise blame fear hope you know it's about those isn't it it's about the, that seesaw mm-hmm. so can you get big enough to to be with that and what is it that gets big enough to be with that you know, as I say on a kind of pure personality structure is a particular structure you know its idiosyncrasies and its tastes and what it likes and you know what its knows and what its intellect and so forth particular structuring mm. but you want to get bigger than that you know that structuring is doesn't isn't big enough isn't good enough this is why one of the bits about why we meditate we actually go beyond our personal limits and we drop to the places where we're not quite ourselves anymore. We're not managing things the way we normally would do. We're not able to make, we're deliberately stopping the choices that we might have made on a personality level. We're sitting still when we want to move. We're getting up when we want to lie in bed. We don't eat when we, you know, we do all these things. And they have a meaning and they're reminding us of, of, uh, you know, operating in a retreat this time and just picking up those those um, themes those skillful means that help to check how much the personality is allowed to control your life it's good enough thing to use everybody's got one fine it's good enough thing to use you don't want to be dominated by it you don't want to be controlled by it it's good enough as a servant you don't want to be your master you want to have Dhamma as the master. And doing this kind of in a way that's manageable, you know. So we take the time to be with as much as we can, you know, realizing this is not actually just a technique of, oh, knock that one out, the next one, knock that one out, the next one, here we go. It, you don't know, sometimes things take quite a while being with. But the point is that being with is not even about get looking for results. It's about just the sense of absolute honesty and the humility and the opening to just be with it. And whether it makes sense or how long or whether I should be with, whether I should have this or not, are all side issues. This is what's happening. Bear it in mind. Steady yourself with that. You know? Use these practices of breathing into your, f- breathing through holding bodily presence to give you a bit of ground yeah being able to turn to the body the breathing in breathing out as a something that helps to just keep your energy flowing level so you don't get frozen sometimes powerful emotions can tend to either freeze you or, or stir whereas you've actually managed to keep your steady breathing and that energy it acts definitely as a, as something that can stop the mind just getting completely overwhelmed you know there's no point just going into stuff overwhelmed that's getting into it you don't want to be in it you want to be with it right so you don't want to just get lost in your stories but there's also 
to you know the sense you don't want also it's also time to deal with some stories mm. you know, this is what we do with insight you start to break down some of the to these more fundamental points and then opening up steady, steadying the mind in the presence of notice that the feelings the moods push and rush and change you know it's an obvious thing it's not even the fact that they change that's in, that's it has its relevance but what is it that knows they change it's just actually staying with that it's just that little step back isn't it where you're not actually on it or in it it's ha- it's passing through and just that that kind of margin gives you the is the balance is that and in that balance of non-attachment then uh, you know a sense of feeling evil just with the non-attachment itself non-attachment is said to be the parent of joy and ease mm. happiness non-attachment is the parent happiness the Buddha talked of a happiness that's born of non-attachment just that sense of increasing confidence and capacity to be with what's going on let it change let it pass through there's a sense of real ease in that and uh, and balance because now we're not holding on to something, we're not formulating strategies and answers, we're not escalating analysis and prognosis and diagnosis and futures and past. We, so there's a sense of a real um, s- steadiness and serenity with that. You want to feel that. I think every one of us must have, you know, parents, relatives who've passed away, do you ever just bear them in your mind? Mm. Bear them in mind. Feel what you feel. A sense of of honour, honouring. Just by bearing bearing them in mind, let yourself feel what you feel. It doesn't feel very much. doesn't matter. But... uh, this is, this is a useful practice of recollections, this nature. And what we find I- is the development of that is, is that as a result, there isn't you know, a passion, a fear that really takes you away. Mm. You don't get intimidated by whatever your mind brings up. You have to run from it. So that's a that's a kind of release and freedom in its own right. The less you get <coughs> intimidated by stuff, the less you you really get uh, into not wanting or wanting. <coughs> the less you're you're concerned about wanting and not wanting, then those phenomena tend to just fade. The mind becomes more peaceful. It doesn't, you, you know, you've finished. You've finished your karma. 
you've finished your being having your buttons pushed by <coughs> this is the unbuttoned deliverance of the mind <laughs> you know the, the, there's no he doesn't doesn't actually clutch and then, you know that's something you can experience for yourself An increasing freedom so just some simple points as a practice yeah so you have if you like foundation practice just find the bodily presence the stability so you don't get not spinning out ways in which you can find ease and comfort in your body breathing in breathing out practicing kindness that is the kind of you might say the, the setting up the crucible for practice and then you as we all do you find you know small or greater or smaller things come rushing through um, through the mind through your experience you notice the tendency can be to either start speeding up when you you know you you start speeding or agitating or you you know your rhythm changes mm. you speed up or agitate or you tighten up might tends to tighten up and hold on or get agitated and spin get strident so simply speaking soft just pause soften and widen pause soften and widen soften is don't get into that hard black white right wrong good bad state just get into softening so it becomes more tender and widening so you get more spacious that and so the big hit the ripples the the waves of those things can actually just melt can open up and melt and defeat and pass away here one